Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for today, Lord. You, Lord, you are our way maker, Lord. And Lord, I ask you, Lord, that, that I would decrease so that you may increase, Lord. Send your spirit, Lord, to open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to your word. We want to thank you, Lord, um, for this day, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, for waking us up, Lord, and giving us another day, another chance to hear your word, Lord. In, in your name, Lord, we pray and I thank you. Amen. Amen. Um, just a message from Latifia. She wanted me to give you guys her love because uh, Liam and Olivia are sick. So they got a little cold. So you know what happens, parents. After they get sick, we get sick. So that's how it always seems to turn out. Um, so if I were to entitle this sermon, it would be called Light It Up, Light It Up. You know, my son Alex, he does not like the dark. When it's time for bed, he walks slowly to the back because the lights are off. And so even when he gets into the room, he goes to the nightlight and he hovers over it so the lights can cut on. And I gotta admit, man, when I have to go back into the, uh, when I have to leave my room and go back out there in the middle of the night, I get a little scared too. You know, when you hear some noise, you be like, wait a minute, what's that, you know? And you, have, you try to find a light all the time. And don't you hate that when you're in the dark and you try to find a light that has been there forever and you're like, where is it, where is it, where is it? And it's like right there. The light. He, my son looks to the light because it takes away fear. Me and my wife were part of a church that was literally physically overlooked. The church was huge. It took up, I don't know how much, it, 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 it was, uh, it could fit in this entire field out here. It was a huge church, but it was hidden in plain sight. And so when I would go to the schools that were right next to it, they would ask me, where do you work? And I said, I work at this church over here. And they said, what church? I said, the big church that's right there. Like, I've never seen that church at all. I'm like, how are people missing this church? Everybody that I ran into has said, I've never seen that church before. I'm like, the church is right there. Oh, you mean, oh, that's a church? I'm like, yeah, that's where I work. But it was overlooked because this church decided to not be a light. They wanted to hide in their tradition. They wanted to hide in what made them feel happy. They did really, truly did not want to be a light. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor JP said that he doesn't like DC comics, and it broke my heart because it lets me know that there is still more sanctification that needs to be happening in his life. You know, he, he, he's not all the way safe um, since he said that. And, and I think the Lord forgave him. I don't know. Uh, but if you know, um, I love DC and Marvel comics and movies and all. And what I love mostly about it is uh, I, I love the mythos. I, I, I love the... The, 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 the redemptive elements that are in these movies that just constantly show us that we need a savior. That's all it shows us. So we'll show, put the, pull up this picture right here. 
Y'all listening? Y'all see that picture? All right, so the, the, the Batman came out like early this year, and I thought it was great. It was a great adaptation to the long Halloween. And so this particular Batman was about two years old, and his M.O. was fear. I want to bring fear and terror and hopelessness to criminals. I mean, there was even scenes where criminals would just get scared at night because you just didn't know who was in the shadows. And they would run. Even the people who Batman protected were scared of him. The police didn't trust him. Even Commissioner Gordon, these, they hardly trusted him because he was so shrouded in darkness and no one could really trust him. And the entire city was in darkness, filled with crime and, 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 all, and just all kind of hopelessness. The city itself was just falling apart. And so there was a scene, go to that next scene, there was a scene where um, the antagonist completely flooded the city and cut all power. So there was no light in the entire city and the entire city was being flooded and there was one scene where the, all these people were trapped inside a building and the water was getting higher and higher and again, it was dark. So you can imagine the panic, people running around, bumping into each other, not knowing where to go when they're about to drown. And there was one scene that, that, that where Batman, it was all dark and all you saw was a flare. And he pulls up a flare and everybody's like, should I go with him, should I not? And then one by one, they begin to walk with him because he had now become the light. And he realized at that time that he could no longer just be fear, he could no, no longer uh, uh, bring fear into people, but people had to trust him. And in order for him to be trusted, he had to be a light. And because he was a light, the people were able to be freed and escape from danger. No, the series is, we're doing is encouragement. It's called encouragement. And Peter, excuse me, Paul is in prison, and 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 the church in Philippi is just discouraged by it. And Paul, writing letters, being in chains, is letting the church know to keep going. He keeps encouraging them. Keep following Christ's example. Keep living it up. Keep loving each other. Keep building each other up. And last week we learned about how, or how God is working in our lives. He gives us the will and the work to do his good pleasure. And this week we're going to talk about that, that not only are we called to work out our salvation, but we are called to be a light in the middle of darkness. We are called to be a light in the middle of darkness. Look at verse 14, I believe it's up here. Paul tells us, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, or some of your versions might say complaining. You know how we complain and bicker and, and grumble when our parents used to tell us to do something? Bree, go clean your room. And you'd be like, oh, you know, I even do that when Latifia gets on me. When I'm playing the games, Joe, the children need to be changed. Oh, come on, man. I'm, I'm playing. Come on, come on, come on. I do the same. I grumble. I complain. 
We all do that when we were younger, and we still do it to this day. But grumbling and complaining has far more implications. It, 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 is, it, is, it, it, it begins, it dims our light, it hurts our witness. Grumbling and complaining is all through Scripture. Especially, you can see it especially in the Old Testament. The Israelites grumbling and complaining. Here's an example. Go to Numbers, what's that? Numbers 14. Numbers 14, what does it say? It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long should this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. So if you know your Bible and your Bible history, Israel was called to be a light, called to be a beacon, a light to the nations around them. They were called to be a light so that other nations can come to God, so that their, so that their lives and their nation and their people can be changed. But their light dimmed and it went out. Turn it, look at Jeremiah 23. This is what it says. Jeremiah 23, 14. It says, But the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and his inhabitants like Gomorrah. If you know anything about Sodom and Gomorrah, it was, a, it was a city that was evil, so evil that God had to destroy it. This city did not, was not a city of light. And, and because of the grumbling, because of what Israel was doing, their light dimmed out. It turned off and it became like other nations. They became like the darkness. At its core, grumbling and complaining it is selfishness. It is covetedness. It is pride and ego. It is a worldly view that focuses on me. It, this is what I want. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to listen to my. I don't want to listen. Somebody say what to do. Ah, oh, I don't want to do that because it's about you. You don't want to do anything. We don't want to do anything. We want to make it about us. What can I get from it? I'm not satisfied. I got to get what I want. When, when is my time going to come? My uncle John, um, he passed away, I think about a couple of years back, and me and my brothers went to New York, and we, um, it was a, he was a, pastor, a Baptist pastor, and so he was very well known. And this funeral was four hours long. Now, for black funerals, that's normal. Okay, anything less would be a problem. Four hours long funeral. But when we left the next day, uh, my cousin stayed behind and um, just, to, just to hang out with the family. And we got a call on the road as we were driving home from New York. And she was telling us how the entire household, his household was in disarray. People were arguing. They were fighting. They, they were grumbling and complaining over who gets the car, who gets the house, who gets the shoes? Who gets the liquor in the corner? Who gets Uncle John's uh, uh, nice coats? And who gets the house? Who gets this? They were illegitimate children. All these people were coming out saying, this is mine, that's mine. No one, no one 
was grieving. No one cared about the family. No one cared about his wife. No one cared. They just wanted what they want when they wanted it. That's grumbling and complaining, if you could relate. As a result, though, but as a result of not grumbling and complaining, Paul says this in verse 15. Go to verse 15. It says, verse 15, do not grumble, complain, that you may be blameless and innocent, innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, Paul isn't saying that you're without blame, that, that, that you're without blemish. But what he's saying is that because of God's work, and because of his will, his desire that is in our lives, we can make decisions that leads to righteousness. We have a choice to make decisions that will lead to righteousness, and this is what it means to be blameless. And as a result, to us turning towards righteousness, we begin to look more like children of God. Like how some of us look like our parents, or act like our parents, even though we say we'll never be like that. Being children of God, we, we mimic the light that is Christ. Being, in a, being a light in a very, very dark world. This word that Paul uses in uh, verse 15, the word light, the, the Greek word is foster. And what he's talking about is Stars. This is the use of this word. If you know your history, you know, I, I love history. I know, I, I, you know, Latifia hates it, but I love it. I love it. But if you know your history, the, the stars guided and led people to, to, to save, to, uh, led people safely to their destination. It was a navigation system. How do you think Harriet Tubman found her way to the underground, uh, found her way to the north. She followed what? The North Star, right? Y'all don't know y'all history. Y'all need to go back to school, man, you know? Look at Daniel 12, two through three. Go there, go to Daniel. It says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt, talking about the resurrection, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, stars, who those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. A crooked and twisted generation lives in darkness. As the light and darkness, we act as beacons. We act as a beacon and lead those who are in darkness to Christ. This is how we act. We are like the stars in the night. Now think about that, think about this. Really think about it. In those days, it's hard for us to think about it because in those days, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have complex navigation systems that are in ships and boats today. They didn't have satellites. These sailors and people, think about it, were in the pitch black of night. They probably had a couple of torches, but they were in darkness. Imagine being at sea in the middle of the ocean and it's black. You can't see nothing. 
But what can you see? The stars. The stars that led them and guide them to safety. What am I saying? That a crooked generation being in the dark is going to find the light. They're looking at us. They're looking at us as the light. We are beacons in darkness. But if our lights are dim or burnt out, we will lead people astray. I don't know if y'all have ever studied Greek mythology. Anybody study Greek mythology? Thank you. Yeah, thank, okay, okay. Somebody's learning. To, I'm just kidding. No. So Greek mythology, one thing we learned about were the sirens. If, I don't know if you're about the sirens. The sirens were uh, 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 basically mermaids. And, and sailors, the, the story goes that when sailors were at sea, they would hear the sirens. And the sirens would be so alluring, so beautiful, that in order for them to turn away from it, they had to stuff their ears with, with, with cotton and wax. And one person wanted to hear, if you know your Greek mythology, forgot who it is, one person wanted to hear the sirens so bad that they had to tie him to the ship so that he wouldn't turn the ship to go that way because it was so alluring. And the story goes that if you were to follow the sirens and find where they were, you would be trapped because you would go into these jagged rocks and mountains that were hard to navigate out and these mermaids would rip you apart. That were the sirens. If our light is dim, they will only listen to the sirens. Our light has to be so bright that it distracts them from the loudness and, and, and the cacophony of all this craziness in the world that says, we have the truth, we have the truth, we have the truth, we have the truth. Come over here, come over here. We're this, we're that. And when you finally get over there, it's nothing but death. It was a lie, it was false. The world will just rip you apart. But our light has to be so bright in our lives, it has to be so bright that they are distracted by the light and said, I don't hear the noise, but I do see a light. I'm going over there. What's over there? And when they get over there, they're not torn apart, they're brought together by the gospel. They're loved and taken care of. We want to lead people to the light, not to the dark. Let's look at verse 16. Go to verse 16 if you can, please. It says, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be poured out, excuse me, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. You know what? This is a great chapter, a great book of encouragement. And you would think that Paul would use the term hold fast even more, right? But he doesn't. But, but this is not the case. He tells us to hold fast to the word of life. Hold fast to God's word. Hold fast to his Bible, to his word. It is impossible to be a light in darkness without holding fast to God's word. Psalms 119, go to Psalms 119. It says, are you there, guys? Psalms 119, 119. It says, your word is a, guys, 
It's not there. It's not going. That's okay. Just listen to me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, this is God's word. I'm not going to be lying to you. Psalms 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is like that. I think we, we spoke about holding fast here before. I, I think the uh, uh, best way to describe for me holding fast is, is, and I mentioned this before when I was in a fraternity, and we were taught how to link arms. Bree, come here for a minute. Come up here. Come up here. Y'all give her a hand. Thank you for my assistant, Bree. You know, she's been great. So when we were in a fraternity, we were taught to link arms like this. You kind of tight now. Okay, okay. You, you know. And we were told to link like this and to hold our hands like this. Okay? Ow. Okay. So, all right, go sit down. Thank you. Um, and so no matter what, when you have your arms linked like that, it's physics. It's weird. No one can break it. No matter what, no one can break it. Now, I applied the same principle when I was doing Young Life. Those who know what Young Life is, is a parachurch ministry, and you know, and we were at a uh, camp, and it was the girls against the guys. And the, the game was that the guys would have to get into a circle and link up, and the girls would have to come around and pull the group apart. Now, if, you're, if your group was pulled apart, then they were eliminated. And these girls were ruthless, boy. They were ruthless. They didn't care. They did everything they wanted to. And so I said, hey, guys, listen, listen. If we link up like this, they will not pull us apart. I promise you. Yeah, right, Mr. Joel. We'll see, Mr. Joel. I don't know. I don't believe you. I'm telling you, guys, I'm telling you, they will not pull us apart. And you have to understand that they could not pull us apart. They pulled. They were kicking. They were hitting. They were trying to tickle. They were trying to tear us apart. And no matter what, they couldn't do it. They were pulling, and one guy was like this off the ground. Ah! Could not rip us apart. And it became worse because as more groups were eliminated, more girls came to us. But no matter what, they couldn't break it because we were holding fast to each other. This is what the Word of God has to be. It has to be sealed to you fused to you, connected to you, that no matter what, it can't be broken. It has to be like that Gorilla Glue girl, where she put that Gorilla Glue in her hair. That's how, that's holding fast right there now. That's holding fast. Her hair was hard, boy. Now, that's a good example of holding fast. And we all laughing because we know what happened. That's why y'all laughing. Y'all know what happened. Hold fast to God's word. Go to verse 16 to 18. It says, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be poor, proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering. Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, also, should you be glad and rejoice with me? Paul, Paul is saying on the day at the end, the end days, when the trumpet sounds, I want to, when we get to heaven, I want to see the fruit of my labor. And if so, the sacrificial, uh, uh, my sacrifice, if I have to give my life up, I want to see the fruit of that. Paul wants to see the numbers. I want to see the numbers. I'm kidding, but show me the numbers. 
So Paul's like, I don't want to get to heaven and just see you guys. I want to see what your light has done for everybody else. I want the numbers. Don't tell me all that stuff. Where are the numbers? Me and uh, Pastor JP, we're, we, we know the, uh, one pastor named Pastor uh, Neighbors. And Pastor Neighbors, man, he was a hardcore dude. He was raised in Jersey. Dude was straight hood. And we would have staff meeting, and he would always ask, how many, he was, he was all for the black folk. He was like, how many black students are part of your group? How many black folk are part of your group? And everybody would give, well, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing this, pass the neighbors. How many people from the community are part of your ministry? Everybody got quiet. He wants to know what, you, what your ministry is supposed to do. Is it bringing who it's supposed to bring? Paul's like, I want the numbers. How many of you guys are going to live and be lights in the world. I want to see that at the last day so that I wouldn't be like, man, I did everything wrong. We have to be lights. It can't just be about us being lights. We live in a, a world where it's all about you and me, individual. You, you got you and I got me. Whatever God has for you, that's not it. We have to be lights for other people too. It can't just be about me. It can't just be one star in the sky. That would look weird. I would think something's wrong with the universe. What part of the galaxy are we in? It has to be more. It has to be about everybody. What about us? What about us? Application. How, how do we apply it to our life? What, what about us? Well, first thing is this. Stop grumbling and complaining. Stop grumbling and complaining. We're very good at that. Don't get it twisted. The twisted generation will have you twisted. So twisted that you'll be a crooked generation. The world will make you believe that God owes you something. The world will make you believe that God himself owes you something. You're supposed to have A, B, and C. Social media will make you think that you're owed something. This is the life I'm supposed to have. You know, there was a song that came out, um, Ty Trivet, called New. New, 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 everything new. I don't know if you heard that song before, Ty Trivet. I understand what he's trying to say, that we're new, that we are uh, 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 new creatures in Christ. But the video is very misleading. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, and I'm just saying the video is misleading because when he says everything new, it's pointing to the Versace shoes, to the Nikes, to the clothes, to the nice house. It, it, it looks like you are owed that when you come to Christ. That if you don't have that, maybe God is shortchanging you. That's what it looked like. It can be very misleading. Every time he said new, it was something new. Shirt, clothes. Stop grumbling. Stop grumbling. And what happens, let me back up. We will fight. We will bicker. We will complain. We will kick and scream when we're asked to do something, when God asks us to do something, when the church asks us to do something. We will be like, I don't feel like doing that. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. See, we want to serve God when it's convenient, we want to serve God when we got a full tank of gas. 
when we got a full bank account, when we are calm at our house, when all the bills are paid, when the kids are good, when I feel better, when, when my house is in good shape, when things are going okay with you, when I have that new, 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 everything new house, then I'll serve God rightly. Then I'll be okay. I won't grumble then, but I got to have that first, Lord. That's, that, no, it, God's going to call you whenever he calls you. God don't care <laughs> if, if, if you want to be happy. God don't care about your happiness. His, he wants us to be happy with his good pleasure. But I want to be happy, God. Well, you know, I'm God. <laughs> I, I'm the epitome of joy. What begins to happen is our witness will have no effect. People aren't going to believe you to be, to be God's people because you're always grumbling and complaining. Your light won't shine. It will dim. You begin to make decisions because of your grumbling. You begin to make decisions that, make, that makes you look like an illegitimate child of God. You will begin to look like Sodom. You will begin to look like Gomorrah. You begin to look like the world. And then people will be confused. Are you a light or are you darkness? You can't have two now. Second point, application. Be a light. Be a light. Be a light that leads people to Christ. People are looking to you. Even when you think they're not looking, they're looking to you. In everything you do, let your light shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? You know, you know the song. Let your light shine at work, at school, socially. Let your light shine as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a brother, as a, as a sister, as a student, as an employee, as a boss, and a friend. We are so afraid. I know I am. We are so afraid that if we share the gospel with someone that, 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 that we might lose something. We would rather be liked and loved and accepted. What's worse is that we will fight for the acceptance of people rather than fight for the soul when we know they're going to hell. When I was in Baltimore, we had a, uh, uh, I was a youth pastor and we had a uh, ministry we called the video game video game club. The students called it the video game club. And students would come by every Thursday and they would play video games and we had what, Xbox and the PlayStation and other rooms and TVs and all that. We had snacks and we would have 20 students almost every Thursday and it would, it would go like to whenever they get out of school to like six. And students had a great time. And my pastor at a time came to me and said, hey man, is this all you're doing? Just having video game? He said, you know, you need to put a Bible study to this thing. You need, it needs to be more about, more about something else than just playing games. And so eventually, we had a Bible study. But despite of that, there was one student that always came, and his name was Deontay. And Deontay would always play with me. We would always play together. He would sit next to me. He would play 2K, Madden, whatever. He would play, we would all play, and we would talk about everything except the gospel. I wanted Deontay to like me. I didn't want to push him away. So we just did that until I moved. And when I was in Charlotte, you know, one day I got a phone call. 
I think it was a text from a friend of mine there saying Deontay was gunned down. He was shot in the head. And to make matters worse, it was in the winter. And Baltimore winters can get real cold. And nobody found his body until the next day, and his body was frozen, solid, dead. No one found him. And all I thought in my mind at that is, I don't even know if Deontay knew the Lord. I don't know if he did or not. I am so unsure about his salvation. I didn't know. And I said to myself, I never shared the gospel with him. I decided not to be a light. I decided to be in the dark. I, I, I decided to grumble and complain, not knowing, not knowing that his life might go one day. 18 years old, not knowing that he would be gone. Another student named Corey lived right next door to me, 14 years old, never, never asked him to come to church, never asked him to be part of our Bible study, never did anything. I offered him a job that, hey, we got a job program. I even remember helping him cut his neighbor's yard. Never did anything else. Corey began to sell drugs. 19 years old, shot. And all I could think again was, I did not allow my light to shine because I was scared. I wanted him to like me. I didn't want him to reject me. If we are witnesses of the power of God, why do we hide it? Why do we hide it? Last point. Hold fast to God's word. Hold fast to God's word. We must study, read, and meditate on his word day and night. The more we study God's word, the more we are around people who love to study God's word, the more we do this, the more our light will be brighter because we're trusting in the light, in Christ who is the light. We're trusting in him and our light will begin to shine brighter. You know, being uh, with RUF, I I'm at state every day. You can ask Bree, Kennedy, even Angel, and even Tati. I'm there all the time. And as I have conversations with students, what tends to come up is, I grew up in a church, but I never learned the Bible. And because of that, there is no light. There is no light at all. Because there's nothing to hold fast to, except for morality and, and quotes and different things. But there, there is no light in them because no one's holding fast to his word. We have to hold fast to God's word. Let me say this and we can close out. I failed to be a light with Deontay, with Corey, and with several other students. But I, I, was, I was successful in grumbling and complaining, though. I was better at that. I, I even failed to hold to God's word, not trusting in it, that maybe God's word might change the hearts of some of these students. How about you? How have you failed to be a light to others? How have, how, how have you failed to be a light for your family, for your friends, for colleagues? How have you failed have you ignored situations and, and issues that require you being a light? 
when people come and ask you and tell you, hey, I messed up, what would you do? And instead, you'd be like, well, you know, I don't want to tell them about Jesus because maybe they'll run away. Is that you? Do you find in yourself uh, holding fast to grumbling and complaining instead of holding fast to his word? I really want you to think about that. Really want you to think about that. How have we not been a light when we could have and we should? When we thought about ourselves, You know, earlier in the sermon, I mentioned Batman, you know, and there was a fan, there was a fan, fan theory that, that says that this particular Batman gets older and his light is extinguished because Gotham isn't getting better. Things are getting worse and he even begins to get darker himself and he begins to use guns and begins to kill criminals. And that's when Superman comes on the scene. He doesn't trust him. Who is this? I, I have no hope. I don't trust anybody. Everything is dark, gloomy, gloomy. And he doesn't, and he complains and grumbles about Superman, and Superman still becomes the light and the hope of a people in darkness who did not ask for him. And he gives his life in battle. And at that point is when Batman is like, wait a minute. He really was hope. He really was a light. And what it does for Batman is it, it reignites a light in him that maybe, that maybe this world can come into the light. Maybe there is a chance, maybe, because of one man who gave his life for a world who did not want him. Who does that sound like? I told you, man, these heroes, are, these heroes just show us that we need Jesus. That's all it does. Where we fail, where we have failed to be a light, Christ has succeeded. He has succeeded. Where, where we grumbled, Christ was humble. He didn't say anything on the cross. He didn't say anything. He just said, Father, forgive them. He held fast to the Father's command to the point of death. He didn't veer away from what the Father wanted. And we learned a few weeks ago that, that, that Jesus didn't want exhortation, that they were going to make him the bread king because he fed all those people bread and, and fish. And, and he's like, nah, I, this is not what my Father wanted. I'm not going to grumble and complain and say, I need to have the crown. And he did that to the point of death. His light shines greater than our light, than any light. And he went to the cross and died for our sins and was resurrected. And because of what he has done, he invites us to be a light. Because of what he has done. Not because of what we have done or what we can do, because we can't do nothing. Our light is nothing compared to the light of Christ. We must look to him to reignite the light that we have lost, to, that, that light that we would go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to be confident. Help me to be brave. Help me to serve you. Help me to tell people about, about you when things go down. 
I was really thinking about using this illustration, but I really want to. This person didn't know I was going to use them, but I got a user. And they're, uh, Bree, I'm sorry I got to pull you out, but we were at Bible study Thursday, and Bree was telling me about how there was a young lady who came in the room, and she wasn't part of the class, and she told me most likely this person was on something or there was a demonic oppression in this person. And everybody ignored this young lady. And Bree told me, do you know the Lord? <laughs> like, what? Do you know who Christ is? I don't want to know Christ. And as the girl was leaving, Bree followed the girl and said, look, I want to help you. How can I pray for you? I don't want you to pray for me. She decided to be a light even when she thought her life might have been in danger. When other students turned her head, she looked to the young lady and said, I want you to know Christ. I would, that, that wouldn't have been me, not in college, nope. Because of the power of Christ, he invites us not to grumble or complain. He invites us to be blameless and listen to his word, hold to his word. And through him, we too can be light in darkness. So let's light it up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, Lord, for being a light in darkness, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for not doing what you have asked us to do, Lord. For not being a light when you have asked us to be, Lord. But instead, ignoring it and being like Sodom and Gomorrah, Lord. We wanted to do our own thing, but you didn't, Lord. So help us to look to you to be the light. Help us to look to you to give us the will and the work to, to, to light up the world so that they can see you. In your name, Lord, we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. You know, one thing I, I, I asked us in the sermon uh, is to really think about us not being a light. And so we come to our confession of, uh, of our sin, and, and when, we, when I'm asking you to really think about it, I'm asking you to think about our sin. Think about the things that we don't do that God asks us to do. We want to do our own thing, and that is sin. So we're called to come to the Lord and say, look, Lord, I'm, I haven't been a liar. I haven't been doing what you wanted to do. For years, I've called myself a Christian but acted like I wasn't. I thought about me and my, my and what's mine. So, I, I, so at this time, I would ask you that you would just spend some time quietly confessing your sins to the Lord about how we have not been alike. Take some time to confess your sins. I think the beauty of the gospel is that when we don't do what God asks us to do, he doesn't completely snuff us out. <laughs> Instead, he reignites our light through Christ. And that is just grace. When our light should never have been out, we put it out in Christ through him, puts it back in. Because on the cross, 
Christ's light was snuffed out so that our light could be reignited. Assurance of pardon comes from 1 John, 1st chapter 6 through 7, and it reads, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. 